1: Hey everybody, uh, this is another special episode of Off Track. Uh, some of you might remember when uh, Mark Gillespie, or at WhiskeyCast on Twitter, invited us to do an online bourbon tasting with him. Uh, well, we did it again. He invited us, uh, we all got on our laptops, he sent us out four samples of bourbon each, uh, and we had a few drinks last Friday. Uh, he was kind enough to let us use the audio from that episode, so I've edited it down a little bit for time. But uh, yeah, here is... Us on Whiskey Cast. Thanks again, Mark.
2: This is Off Track with Hinch and Ross. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the live Happy Hour webcast from WhiskeyCast.com. I'm Mark Gillespie in the Cast studio in Haddonfield, New Jersey. Hope you've had a good week or at least uh, an interesting week and a healthy week and are staying safe. We are going to have a little bit of fun over the next hour or so. One of our most watched webcasts from last year, and our most popular ones, was the whiskey tasting we did last April with the guys from... Off Track with Hinch and Rossi, the racing podcast featuring IndyCar drivers Alexander Rossi and James Hinchcliffe, along with their producer, Thim, Tim Durham. Well, the guys have joined us for yet another tasting. We're going to have a little bit of fun here, and I'll bring the guys in. Let's bring in Alexander Rossi and Tim Durham. We are still waiting for Hinch <laughs> to connect in. Yeah, this is
1: this is why we don't do ours live. And, uh,
2: and this is we why, are, um, it's about
3: to become off track with Hinch t- or with Alex and Tim. So.
2: <laughs> we already have a comment from Dr. Who wondering, saying, I'll be impressed if Hinch actually one has internet that works and two actually uses it. Um, Hinch is sort of the Luddite among the three of you, right?
1: It's, yeah, it's astounding to me that he can drive a race
3: car. It's astounding you know? to me that he can get dressed in the morning. <laughs> So here we are, anyways. Happy to be here. Thank you for having us back. How have you guys been? Well, you know, 2020 was a year. <laughs> yeah, I, it was. I that.
1: We're still, I think we're still we're still calling this 2020, right? I mean, this is like December 45th or 46th, or just, <laughs> just
2: March 600th. And uh, Hinch has joined us now. Hinch, how are you doing? Oh, just a day late and <laughs> a dollar short james can you hear us okay
4: i certainly cannot
3: i mean you're responding to questions so
4: no i'm really good at reading lips something something just got better now i can hear you all
2: you can hear us now yes (laughs) and some of your some of your viewers are familiar with this uh, reoccurring theme with this crew side brett's if he brings a snack um Pinch would never cope with the systems in F (laughs) one.
4: No, I would because someone else would set them up and I would just have to use them. That I can do, but the setting them up and getting them to work efficiently not my jam.
2: And uh, Callie King says her work office is near you and his. Her internet is super fast.
4: I imagine her work has different options for internet than my subdivision does.
2: (laughs) Well, it's great to have you all three of you with us. I am. What. So you guys are about to get back to work here uh Tuesday from what I hear you're going to be uh, down at Seabring right Yes sir um so yeah it's it's kind of the uh, the first
3: day of of the new year um and yeah I mean it's 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 much of a kind of short off season that we've had relative to other years it still feels like a really long time since we've been in a race car so um yeah definitely looking forward to getting down there getting back to work um you know, I think the the whole Andretti Autosport organization had a lot of good momentum at the end of the year. Um,
2: <clears throat> you know,
3: with with really all the cars. So, you know, I think we're cautiously optimistic that we can carry that on into into twenty one.
2: Well, we had some breaking news today that I I have to ask you guys about. Your teammate and good friend Marco decided to step back this year and is only going to run in the Indy five hundred. Uh, first of all, your thoughts on that because. Uh, when your name's on the door it's assumed that you're going to be around as long as you want to be and this choice was his right
4: yeah for sure you know i think uh marco's reached uh, an age in a state in his career and and everything where he kind of wanted the freedom to explore some other things and um and, and it's 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 great i mean it's it's a hard decision i'm sure to take and uh I, I, have a lot of, I have a lot of respect for him, a lot of credit to him for, uh, for being able to make it. I know that's, you know, not an easy thing to make that decision to step back. But as, uh, as he said in his statement, you know, he still has unfinished business at Indy and he's still remarkably capable at Indy. And uh, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be fun still getting to run, you know, against him and with him as a teammate uh, there at the 500. And, uh, and obviously we wish him all the best for uh, whatever other endeavors he decides to partake in.
2: Alexander, your thoughts?
3: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think James uh, hit the nail on the head. I mean, it's uh it's always a difficult decision for, for any racing driver to, to come to terms with. Um, but you know, he's doing what's, what's best for him after, I mean, what's been a wild year for, for everyone in and out of motorsports. So, um, yep. Yeah, look forward to having him back in, in the, the, the fold for the month of May, hopefully not the month of August, uh, for the 500 and, um, yeah as James said he's he's one of the best guys around there so brings a lot to the table in terms of uh, knowledge and experience and you know he put that or kind of proved that obviously last year with with being on the pole so um he's a great addition to to the organization and uh we'll be waiting for him with open arms to come back to us
2: and your teammate Ryan Hunter Ray just re-upped for another year that was announced yesterday with the DHL coming back on board obviously that's good news.
3: For sure, I think that was one of those just like that was always a deal that was done. It was just uh, <laughs> announcing, um, you know, is, is there's always a little bit of politics that go along with that. But you know, Ryan's been <clears throat> at the organization as long as as Marco. Um, I know James worked with him um, when when James was with Andretti, and you know, working with Ryan the past five years um, has has been nothing short of a pleasure. So great to have him uh, back. Back at the team and um, kind of keep that continuity going forward with Colton as well.
2: So Hinch, uh, you want to break any news for us today? Have you uh, <laughs> lined up your plans for uh, 2021 yet? And does Marco's move affect you at all? Because I know you're still working on your program with Andretti for this
0: year.
4: Yeah, that's right. We're we're still, you know, we're getting close. Uh, I still have some pieces of the puzzle we gotta we gotta fit in place, but uh, you know, it's all heading the right direction and. You know, the the news for Marco today is sort of sort of unrelated to our program, to be completely honest. And so uh, we still have to kind of overcome our hurdles and and get those pieces in place, like I said. But it's it's moving in the right direction. It's not a done deal yet. So, you know, I've uh, I'm going to have to wait a little bit longer before I get a jump in the car. But uh, definitely moving in the right direction, like I said, and, you know, excited to hopefully have some some news here soon.
2: Well, I should point out the Mega Millions lottery is seven hundred fifty million dollars tonight. Uh, that would uh, that would buy a sponsorship, I think.
1: What time What time is yeah. that drawing? Because I might have to.
2: Um, Eleven o'clock, <laughs> I think, tonight. Okay, all right, we should make it. And uh, our pal Doctor Who is. Uh, Wanting to know, Tim, what are your racing plans since uh, you've been referred to around the paddock as Mario or as Marco's twin brother? Are you stepping back
1: too? Well, yeah, I'm going to body double for Alex now. We look more alike anyway. Uh. No, I I think (laughs) if anything, we learned in
4: 2020 that Tim is uh, very non-essential, and so that is going to carry into 2021, and we hope to not see him at a racetrack soon.
1: Yeah, I am pro- I was thinking maybe take my talents to F1. Um, either take Hamilton seat or body double for Hamilton. Both feel like pretty good options.
2: I mean, you guys look... <laughs> well, let's get to some whiskey here. And I picked the whiskeys for this session. The first two have motorsports ties, which I'll explain in a minute. And the second two come from places where you guys are racing this year. Oh, cool. So that's the reason behind the uh, selections. The first one is a bottle that I finally got around to open. I meant to open these first two with you guys last year and never quite got around to it. This one's the only scotch of the bunch. It is from our friends at Duncan Taylor & Company. It is the Icuri Akos 8-Year-Old Blended Scotch. Um, Duncan Taylor makes the Black Bowl Blended Scotch Whiskey brand, and they've been sponsoring curia Cos cars for a number of years mm-hmm. in European sports car, everything from the uh, European Le Mans Series to British GT, and I think the British Touring Car Championship. And a couple of years ago, they had a party in Scotland that I was invited to attend, where they were celebrating the partnership with the uh, the folks at curia Cos. And this is the car with the Duncan Taylor team; they're a McLaren sports car. Oh, cool. And what they did with these three bottles, there was actually a three-bottle set, and the one we have is the one on the far right. They're the same whiskey in all three, but the first one on the left celebrates the 60th anniversary of Ikuryakas' win with a Lister at Le Mans. And the second one was one of their BMW cars, and the one on the far right was the uh, McLaren they ran in the uh, 2017 a British Touring Car Championship season, but I wanted to. Obviously, this has racing ties, and I know Alex, you did a lot of racing over in Europe, all the way up to F1. So I know that uh, this. That I figure. I'm assuming you've heard of a Curia Cos at some point in your racing career. Quite, so, quite honestly,
3: I, I haven't um, solely because when I was over in Europe, I I thought whiskey consisted of Jim Beam and Jack Daniels. <laughs> okay um,
2: clearly there's more to it than that yeah there's james um, right and well, the <laughs> this one is the one that's marked number one on your samples so if you want to go ahead and pour it i can't
3: i can't wait i'm very excited
2: so and go ahead what, it,
3: what i guess the brand is known for obviously not their involvement in
2: motorsports like what's their typical like Don't, go-to well, Black Bowl is their primary blended scotch brand. Uh-huh. And it's a high-malt <clears throat> content, which it's always at least 50% malt whiskeys that are in that blend. And a lot of the blended scotches you'll find on the market, most don't get much above 40% in terms of malt content. So it's a high-malt whiskey. Uh, this is another one. And then Duncan Taylor also does a bunch of independent bottlings from distilleries all over. This one, I believe, has a lot of some unpeated Buna Havan in it from Isla. So, go ahead and uh, get your noses in there and tell me what you think. That doesn't seem logistically very easy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is my favorite part where I pretend what I know what I'm doing.
2: We all had to learn somewhere,
4: it, you know. We don't. We uh, we are definitely not super experienced Scotch drinkers, so this is that's kind fine of for us to try something that's, new.
2: It's getting out of your comfort zone because I know you guys are into yeah. bourbons, so I, it's, I but it's fun to get out of your comfort today. zone. I'm sorry, I mean, what Tim?
1: I haven't had scotch in day.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I I I have not found many scotches that I have any interest in drinking, but this um this is different. I, I think it's because it's not super peaty. Yeah. It's it, it doesn't kick you in the yeah. face from, from that standpoint.
4: Even so. on the nose, it doesn't quite have that same <clears throat> that same aroma that you normally get. Just kind of that overwhelmingly earthy peaty scent.
1: Yeah, I, I had a glass of Lagavulin 16 last night and that was very much overwhelmingly peaty. So I'm, I'm relieved this isn't. Oh, yeah, this a is... little,
2: little bit of a hangover, scotch hangover today, Tim?
1: No, no, I had a, a bunch of wine afterwards. That's why I had the hangover.
2: It's the red wine that does it. It's, <laughs> it's the sulfites and stuff in the red wine that give you the hangover and give you the headache afterwards. So
3: speaking of this, um... I'm just going to sidebar for a small second. My girlfriend um who orders an Amazon package a day it, at least. Just it,
4: one? Yeah. Lucky.
3: Well, so the other day we were um cooking dinner and she poured herself a glass of wine and um came came into the kitchen with this little stick and she started swirling it in her wine. And I was like, <laughs> "What are you what are you doing?" She was like, "Well, on Amazon apparently um, there was this thing that she found on TikTok, ordered on Amazon where it claimed that if you swirled it in the wine, it would take out all of the, the bad parts of it and <laughs> off, give you a hangover. And I was like, okay. So she proceeded to drink almost a bottle of wine and sure enough had a hangover the next day. So swirly stick things, um, certainly do not, do not work.
2: No, that's the Popeil of spirits, um, and it really, really doesn't work, guys. Uh, That's my PSA. You know what there.
4: does work? The B1 vitamin patch, which I got to tell you, works miracles for <laughs> hangovers. This isn't even a joke, guys. I've got some in my pocket right here. You can go to buyb1.com <laughs> and uh, use Hinch at checkout for 20% off. <laughs> may be done after a night of drinking and you feel phenomenal the next day. Well but not way better than you should. And if Alex and, uh, and Tim can both attest to this.
3: So unrelated James, um, you know how you gave me like 15 of them? <laughs> <You need> more. <laughs> I need more.
4: Yeah. I've, I I wear one every day. I've got one. Mark, right
1: I'll now. make sure. Uh, I'll make sure James sends you uh sends you a check for that ad.
2: Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's it fine. Yeah. I hope, I hope our listeners take advantage view. of it. If it gets you a ride for this year,
4: <laughs> every dollar helps. Every, every
2: dollar helps. helps. Can we start a GoFundMe?
4: Yeah, no, this is uh this is quite nice actually. I'm with Alex. I, I've had I've had a couple scotches. My brother's a big scotch guy, and uh and you know he's tried to get me into it a little bit. I've tried to get him into the bourbons a little bit. And uh, as Alex said, this is kind of one that this could be a nice sort of gateway gateway scotch, get you into the a bit. <laughs> what yeah, I like you guys needed a new thing to buy
1: a lot of.
3: What I what I like the most about it is it gives you that kind of I guess alcohol feeling sensation without
2: kind of the burn on the back.
3: Yeah.
4: It it lets you, it lets you at least kind of enjoy it at the end.
1: Right. Right.
2: One other thing about this one, I forgot to mention, um, when they sold these back in 2016, 2017, all of the sales, all of the process profits, the proceeds from these bottles, were donated to Sir Jackie Stewart's Race Against Dementia charity in the U.K. Oh, very cool. So this was done for charity and another motorsports tie because uh, if you know racing, you know that uh, Jackie Stewart's wife, Helen, has been suffering from Alzheimer's for the last number of years. So that was a charity that was very important to him. So uh, the profits from this went to Race Against Dementia. So, That's wonderful. And Christopher Winters, our... Uh, Longtime buddy who we actually did a virtual tasting at his house after the 500 in 2012. Greetings from Indianapolis. Can't wait to see you guys back here in May and racing at Indy. And uh, hopefully you'll be at Indy in May instead of August this year if things work out, right?
3: That is the plan.
2: Any, any date that we can have fans is fine with me, to be quite yeah. honest. <laughs> and they've pushed back the opener in St. Pete to uh, April 25th, and you're going to open at Barber this year, which I know, Alex, is one of your favorite tracks.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I actually, since it got repaved um, and resurfaced, we had a test there in, what was it, October, James? Why are you yeah. shaking your head? I actually I enjoyed it a lot. It was, it was awesome. terrible. You, know,
4: you liked it because it had so much grip. It was like it was like Mario Kart. You couldn't make a mistake. You know, it was a Yeah, lot. that sounds, I, that sounds that's nice. Not, that's not true yeah, at it's all. Yeah, that's not true. You. I did, I did spin, but no,
3: no, no not you. <laughs> there was crashes and a lot of yellow flags. And
4: that is true. You could make mistakes because the grip level was so high. You're like, oh, let's just go three, four, five miles an hour faster this time, and eventually <laughs> it goes up. But it was uh, definitely a lot different.
2: And speaking of Barbara, just a shameless plug here. Um, I've mentioned this on Twitter a few times, but I started calling iRacing events in the Elite Racing League this fall, uh, calling the Sunday Night Trucks races. And I'm switching over to the IndyCar series Friday Night Races, starting next month to be calling those on the Elite Racing League's uh, YouTube channel. But I'm hooking up with Rob Howden tonight to call uh, Road to Indy races at Barber, at Virtual Barber. Oh, cool. On their YouTube channel. So... We're gonna, and I know you guys know Rob from the Road to Indy and from IndyCar Radio. Very well. sure. So we're going to be doing that uh, tonight at 7:30 on the Elite Racing Channel on YouTube, and then starting I think February 19th with the Friday night IndyCar races. I know you guys have raced with them before in sure. uh, some of the iRacing yeah, events.
4: Tell me you got that deal done, which is awesome. When you uh, when you talk to Rob offline, ask him about his trip with Vegas to me.
1: <laughs> well, I feel like now you got to tell the story. Yeah, no, let's tell, yeah, let's on tell the story now.
4: <laughs> we we don't have time on this on this show to talk to tell you the whole story. But just James would have to Google statute of limitations first.
2: Did it involve bail money?
4: <laughs> uh, nearly, <laughs> nearly. So it would have been fourteen-year-old James bailing Rob out of jail. Just to, just to clarify.
3: <laughs> sure, 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 sure. Yeah
2: howden took a teenage boy to vegas okay let's start <laughs>
3: that. When, when you
4: say it like that it sounds bad
3: but yeah actually, when you, when you listen it all actually right. like my that.
4: father trusted my father trusted him to chaperone me to vegas and that was a huge mistake
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, on a serious question about motorsports uh we know uh, there's Widespread reports, Romain Grosjean is going to come over and run for coin this year in IndyCar. Alex, you uh, had some experience in F1. What's he going to face coming over? What are the challenges he faces coming over and starting with a a small team like Dale Coin Racing?
3: Um, Well, I I don't know that any of that's confirmed. Um, I know that's kind of being rumored and talked about, but if if it were to happen, um, you know, Roman is has has raced a lot of other things aside from F one. There was even a period of time where he left F one and, and went and raced in, in sports cars for a while before he got his opportunity. I think with was it Renault or was it Haas that he came back to. Either either way, he was with Haas. Right, but so originally he was with Renault, left, went and did sports car <laughs> yeah. racing, came back with Haas. Came back. And came back. so so he's he's well versed in in racing outside of F one, and I think that you know it at um at the point that he was going with the team that he was at you know i think he's just now excited um and looking in his future for an opportunity to fight for race wins and and for me that was the, really the huge thing that that i fell in love with with indy racing was was just having the the chance every single weekend um to go out there and win a race Whereas in formula 1 as we all know it's it's kind of very determined, if you will, that there's probably only um, two, maybe four cars that's pushing it that they can win a race each weekend. And, um, you know, he was never in a position to be one of those guys. So I think now that he's transitioning to a different phase of his career, if he does come to IndyCar, he'll he'll love that part uh, about our series.
2: One quick question for both of you. Um, any sports car plans this year? I know, Alexander, you uh, raced with Acura Team Penske last year in the WeatherTech Series. Or either of you doing the Rolex at Daytona later this month?
3: Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I've I've stayed with the Accurate program. It's now being run by by Wayne Taylor Racing. So um, I'll be in the 10 car for the endurance events, and it's it's kind of special because all of the guys on the seven car that was the accurate team Penske car, um, Ricky, myself, and, and Elio Alejandro are are going to be on the 10 car. So the the gang stuck together. Um, and so now bringing that, that car to a new team and one, one new driver with Philippe Albuquerque, um, kind of allows us to, to get everyone up to speed is, is in a really short period of time. So looking forward to that. And, um, we're actually having our first test on Tuesday, which is the same day I'm testing the IndyCar at Sebring. So it's going to be a little bit of back and forth for me. So busy day.
2: Yeah, from what I heard, they're actually uh, splitting the track at Sebring in two, and in- t- IndyCar testing on one side and uh, IMSA testing on the other. Sure are. Yep. So you save on the uh, motorhome expenses. One trip in the motorhome. I yes, I'm sure. We we there's there's travel wise,
3: it's it's good for someone. Um, my body, it's not great for, but we'll get through it.
2: Not a big deal. Well, I bring up the motorhome because I know <laughs> you were using the motorhome to mule Bourbon around for Hinchall last season. Between I, tracks. I think, I think that'll be the same program this year. <laughs> Explain Hinch, because I know you were working I with NBC for most of the missing,
4: season.
2: There? No. I don't know what you're talking about. No. no, no,
3: honestly, there is a bottle missing. We don't know where it went. I think maybe my bus driver drank
2: it. Which is so I'd check with Connor Daly. <laughs> That's, Fair. Yeah. He may have taken I it mean, when he took Connor the tires. Has
4: a, a nicer, a nicer bourbon collection. collection.
2: Than you. Yeah. Hinch, what are your plans for the rest of the season um, other than IndyCar? Do you have anything lined up yet?
4: Yeah, no, I mean, unfortunately, I um, you know, just trying to get this this IndyCar program nailed down has just been a a 24-7 full attention sort of situation. So we had we didn't really have the bandwidth to uh to try and put together a sports car program for, you know, the endurance races. Definitely something we're looking to to get back into. You know, I've done Daytona a bunch of times in the past, five or six times and uh, and I missed the race, and so hopefully, you know, we can have a, a little bit more of a a sorted off season from the end of uh, end of the IndyCar calendar, you know, in September, and uh, and then you know have the have the time to kind of put together a sports car program for uh, for the beginning of the year. That'd be that'd be awesome.
2: Well, let's move on since we were mentioning bourbons real quickly to whiskey number two. This has a racing connection of a different sort. Uh, this is a personal selection barrel of Woodford Reserve. So what do you mean by personal selection? Like you chose it? No, this is Frank's barrel. It belonged, it was selected by Frank Von Scheich, who is, and I will show you just a second here. Um, Frank runs a bunch of businesses down in Christchurch, New Zealand. I met him last March when I was down there for Dramfest. One of his things is that he is a big collector of Jim Beam memorabilia and other whiskey memorabilia, including a lot of the decanters that you've seen before, Uh, like the ones in the bottom row there from the IndyCar series that Jim Beam used to do back in the 60s and 70s. He's got stuff like you would not believe, uh, rare decanters that even the Jim Beam guys don't have. He got the production samples that they were using before they made the real things. That's awesome. But... Frank is also a race driver. He is, he drove in the uh, V8 trucks series down in Australia and New Zealand for a number of years. And so this was his personal selection. Uh, when I went down to Christchurch last year for Dramfest in March, right before the pandemic hit, I went, toured it with him. We did an interview with him for the show and he gifted me this bottle of Woodford to bring home. So Very since cool. it has a connection and it was picked by a race driver, I figured let's pour it because the selection for this is a smaller batch than what they would normally do for the regular Woodford's. So it's a it's a tighter fit if you want to put it. It's not quite a single barrel, but it's not the 150 barrel or whatever batch that they would use for a standard Woodford bottling. Right. Does that make sense?
3: Kind kind of, but it's not it's not something where they tasted that's certain. So when you do go do a barrel select, you're tasting four of them and you're choosing your
2: barrel. Yeah, so, and he picked this selection. This was his pick. Okay. They picked uh, several small selections, several small vattings of barrels, and then he picked this one okay. as his. It's labeled as Frank's Barrel, but it's really a, a blend of several small barrels, like maybe five or six. Got it. Okay. Okay. Interesting. But it's bottled at the same 45.2% strength that regular Woodford is. And I know you guys have had Woodford before, so... Sure
4: Got that beautiful bourbon smell. It's back.
3: This was um, this was James's gateway bourbon, I think, right? I mean, this and the Angel's yeah, Envy rye. Yeah, yeah, that's right.
2: Yeah. Yep, so, what do you think of this one? one? Yeah. I,
3: I I like it more in scotch. I'm gonna be honest with you. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> what do you taste on it though? What do you smell and taste? It's it's very sweet. I think caramel is the first thing yeah. that hits me. Um, James.
4: <laughs> well no that's again that's what you're getting you're getting a sweet nose on it for sure
2: how about uh say cherries maybe some chocolate yeah. i
4: don't i, I get, don't get as yeah, much of the chocolate
2: cherry for
3: sure mm-hmm. fruit fruit um like red apples maybe yeah yeah see that's quite a skill like i was actually i was talking to someone today who was who was actually um, here to help me clean my truck. And and one of the products we were using, I was like, man, that has a, that has a very familiar smell, but I can't quite place it. And he was like, Oh, I'll tell you what it smells like. It, it smells like when you go to the dentist and they pour you a new mouth guard, that like kind of sweet chemical smell. And I was like, that's exactly right. And I have no idea how you made that connection. So like, that's a, that's quite a, a talent that I think James, myself, definitely Tim. He has no talent, but um, but really everyone in our in our bourbon group. Herfie. I think we miss a little bit is associating what we're tasting with actually defining it. To
0: yeah, a, it's you know, something
4: a, something we're working on, and I think part of it, Alex, is we get too excited and we don't do enough smelling. We just pour like that's it so good. Like, yeah, it smells yeah. good,
0: and then yeah. that gets
4: started. So that's what um, I'm sitting here. I think. Um, am I? Can I get a little banana smell almost? Sure.
1: <laughs> that was that was that. Sure was definitely a no.
2: No, there are no no. Wait a second, Wait a second. Let me explain, Tim. There are no wrong answers. Eh, because basically, <laughs> sure the aromas that aromas are really mental memories that you make when you're nosing, and if it smells like if you've had banana before, say cooked bananas. Or say mm-hmm. a banana split with ice cream, say with caramel topping or chocolate on ice cream. Yeah, no, banana split. I'm
1: thinking like banana foster, but that's more the caramel.
2: Right, but it's right. that kind of uh, those memories that you make that come back to you when you smell something. Um, the the common one I like to refer to is uh, if I smell coconut in a whiskey, which you do in a lot of scotches, it reminds me of the coconut cream pies my grandmother made for Thanksgiving when we were and for the holidays when I was a kid. So it takes you back to that. It's it's those kind of memories that you associate with a certain smell. So there really are no wrong answers because each of us has our own individual set of memories, and are the olfactory glands in your nose are completely unique to each of us. It's almost like a fingerprint. You can get some commonalities, but there are no wrong answers. It's kind how of amazing there, uh... how sweet it is. Just the from the smell.
4: The smell is yeah for sure. No, I was, was going to say, I think, uh, especially Alex and, and my uh, olfactory senses have been, uh, you know, accosted by fumes and, and oil and gasoline <laughs> for so many years. Yeah. They're probably not quite as fine-tuned as, uh, as yours are.
1: Yeah, every every bourbon tastes, or smells like uh, racing fuel.
2: Well, <laughs> wait a second. When I was at Pocono, when I saw you guys in Hinch, I met you that day at Pocono a couple of years ago, back in the paddock area when I was lining up waiting to take the two-seater ride with Mario and they started firing up the engines with the ethanol, it instantly yeah. reminded me of a distillery. <laughs> because it's the same corn spirit, corn-based spirit, yeah. there in is a lot no... of ways. And that's and I made the connection right there to smelling... Because it's basically ethanol, fuel-grade ethanol, is nothing more than corn whiskey distilled to a higher proof, where they don't worry about cleaning out the impurities there's nothing more satisfying than the smell of a
3: rickhouse or just yeah. like it is the best thing on earth i actually bought a candle when we were um when when james and i and a couple guys took a took a trip to uh kentucky and, and bought a candle that was supposed to smell like rickhouse i it lasted 10 days i think i had it lit all day every day it's just
4: all day all night.
1: yeah no you get your own candle but when i get your candle it's weird
2: I mean, we we'll talk about that another time. Tim. So we got a question for you from Graham Frazier. He wants to know if you guys have tried any U.S. craft whiskeys or single malts or rye or weighted as well as bourbons. What whiskeys have you guys had the chance to taste since we last talked that uh, really stood out for you? What is defined as a craft whiskey? L- little small-scale distillers. They're so not like the Jim Beams of the world, but like the little small guys that you might have uh, James, visited. Discuss what I'm so, going to be yeah, dropping off actually, your house on yeah. Sunday.
1: <laughs> yeah.
4: We uh, we had the chance to uh, to go to a, a small craft distillery here in Indianapolis called West Fork, who have um, sort of reinvigorated the old Hamer brand, and um, you know it's it's a you know it's a new company. Uh, it's a four year whiskey and a four year bourbon. And we went and did a barrel select of, uh, of that, which we just picked up the other day. And uh, we're going to start selling for, for the charity that, that we're involved with, the Stop & Go Foundation. So we're, we're excited to crack into the first bottle of that and, uh, and see, you know, how good of a job we did. On, on the day, you're like, yeah, we nailed it. So it's always interesting to kind of, when the barrel actually shows up, how much that holds up. But uh, yeah, excited to uh, to give that a try. So that's definitely one that we've had some experience with that we've enjoyed um where know, will I that go on that. sale
2: for the for stop and go foundation
4: um so <laughs> we went soon, <laughs> the next and i weeks, said where I he said saying, where
2: when can be when oh, can people start buying it
4: yeah let's say in about two weeks people will be able to start buying it um and you know we do it kind of through donations to the website uh to the foundation stop and go foundation.org uh, we're still working <laughs> on pricing and some stuff and normally you know because in our in our group that goes and does these picks we have uh you know myself Alex Rossi and uh and Robbie Wickens and so we do a a smaller batch of the uh, of the bottles that the three of us will sign and we sell them you know a little bit higher price point uh but yeah if you're interested you know follow either Alex or myself on Twitter and uh and Instagram well, I, th- and- I think
3: the, the important thing is, James, um, we haven't all gotten to get together to try it yet. So we ain't selling anything
0: <laughs> <until we're, laughs> but
3: just to sit True. down. So it'll be, yes. it'll be it'll be before the season starts for sure. But um, <laughs> we, we have some, some
2: housekeeping to do on it. First. But it's in our possession <laughs> sure. and it will be there as soon as possible. And we've like got the to, uh, website uh, address yeah. up on the screen now for the foundation. So uh, Awesome.
4: Thank you. Yes. And then I, mean, I, I know like that,
1: the point out so, that I'm not part of this group. They don't invite me to these tastings.
4: You live in California.
3: Main, main five bourbon brands, Tim. No.
4: Exactly. <laughs> um, one of, so there's a, there's a craft distillery in Michigan that I'm a big fan of. Um, I haven't met many people that like it quite as much as I do, but uh, it's called Journeyman. Um, they have a, they have in particular, their rye, their, their uh, I think it's called their last feather rye is uh it's a really unique, really unique flavor. Um, it's for me, it's uh, a lot more that that sort of chocolatey flavor. It's very smoky. It's a little earthy, uh, but I really, really enjoy some of their stuff. Uh, what else have we tried, Alex? There's got to be other ones.
3: Um, I mean, there's Pretty that smoky. there's that ride that you love uh, from Boston um, that I got you, and and they only sell it in, in Massachusetts. I'm really struggling to remember the name. Oh, Probably. oh. Um was that the Putnam
4: Rye?
3: It was Putnam Rye. Very good. There you go. That's impressive. Thank you. So Putnam Rye, they're they're based in, in Boston. Um and then I think the the other one, um, did does anyone really know about Chattanooga whiskey yeah. at all? Or
2: yep, we've Mexico? covered them. I've tasted several of their whiskeys. They're doing good stuff.
3: Yeah. So um, I actually have uh, a friend who's who's kind of involved in that, and um, he sent me a couple of sample bottles, and, and that was that was great. I really really prefer their kind of their barrel proof, their their higher proof one, um, but they're definitely kind of on an upward trajectory, which is great to watch. Is is there is there kind of a an acquaintance of mine, and then I would say the the other one um, is actually. I'm, Drawing a blank, but an indie Lights driver that drove for Andretti Autosport the past couple of years, Ryan Norman, he has a, a deal with a with a bourbon company, and they gave me a couple, um, not really remembering the name, so there's really not a whole lot of point in talking about it. But uh, it was brown, it was wet, and it was very good.
4: <laughs> there's, um, there was another one that I found actually up in Canada, it was the first time I found it, and it's um, it's called Redwood Empire. And based out in California, and they, they blend a a bunch of different, uh, you know, they, they they buy their stuff from, from bigger manufacturers and they blend together a bunch of different ages. Uh, And I was actually, I was very impressed. I I was kind of surprised. I bought it on, you know, as a whim, just there's not as quite the selection in uh, the Canadian liquor stores as there is down here and uh, gave it a, gave it a try and actually quite, uh, quite enjoyed it. Well, I mean, the selection's lower. Every once in a while, you'll get lucky and find something really good at retail, which is super rare down here.
2: I've got to stump the question for you, a stumper question for you. Can you guys name the closest distillery to a track on the current IndyCar series schedule? What's the closest distillery to any of the tracks where you guys race?
4: I mean, West Fork's got to be...
2: And I'll give you a hint... You can actually see it from the track.
4: Okay, it's not that close. Um, okay, so it's not. Let's go through them. It's not Barber. It's not. Well, St. Pete has a distillery that makes. Oh yeah, it's called now? Yeah,
3: um, that's very, so, it's something. It's like, soldier that, it's that horse shoulder. Horse soldier. Yeah. Yeah.
4: So yeah, yeah. That's quite close. So I know that's in St. Pete. Or maybe it's Tampa. I probably can't see even the track. Barber's got nothing. Texas, I don't think, has anything. Mid Ohio has absolutely nothing around it, like Road America.
2: <laughs> Actually, Ohio has distilleries in Columbus. So, I mean, Texas? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: Not around the track, though.
1: Yeah, no, there is nothing around
2: that track. Would it be Texas?
4: Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm stumped.
2: Texas is wrong. Detroit. Huh. Oh. If you go to the end of Bell Isle to the track down around the just at the south end of Belle Isle down by the past the fountain, look across and you see the Hiram Walker Distillery in Windsor. Ah, trick question! The big, the great big silos and the still house. You can literally hit a golf ball over to their parking lot from uh, the end of Bell Isle.
4: You're a much better golfer than I am.
2: <laughs> Not that good, <laughs> but I mean it's it's that close. It's basically halfway across the river yeah. in Canada. There you go. Well let's move on to our third whiskey because um, Dr Who asked Nashville as one of the answers and nope although there are distilleries in Nashville they're not that close to the track as being right across the river yeah, but
3: not far
4: I mean the uh, the big machine guys are kind of right there.
2: The big the big machine guys are doing vodka though they're not doing whiskey yet. are I they? Think
4: they I think they started Yeah
2: okay cool yeah be interesting to try it. So Tennessee though since you guys are going to Nashville this year for the first time, there's a uh, whiskey that's gotten a lot of attention in the last few months because it sort of made its debut. It's called Sweetens Cove. And that's because it is uh, named for the Sweetens Cove golf course, which is owned by people you might maybe have heard of, guys like Peyton Manning and Andy Roddick and uh, a bunch of other guys. The golfer? Yeah, the, go- the golfer. Peyton Manning, the uh, football player. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's, that's
2: joking. And Andy Roddick, the tennis player. But they decided that they needed to have their own bourbon for the golf course. And so mm-hmm. they started selling it. So they got a whole of a bunch of 13-year-old whiskey barrels of Tennessee bourbon from the George Dickel Distillery. Oh, wow. And hired Marianne Eves to blend them for the, for the uh, Sweetens Cove bourbon. So they made three batches. This is batch number three. It's at 50.25% uh, ABV. And this stuff goes for about 200 bucks a bottle, wow. but uh, they sent me a sample of it to uh, taste. And uh, since you guys are racing in Nashville, I thought it would be uh, appropriate to raise a glass to Nashville and uh, with the stuff we went through during the holidays. Thanks, and uh, hopefully everything will be uh, yeah, here's to back the to normal and good before you guys get down there this summer.
4: Yeah, we're excited about that event for sure. Oh I mean, yeah, Peyton Manning, such a better quarterback than Tom Brady. So it's
3: uh, <laughs> um, undoubtedly, it's, undoubtedly
1: um, a better quarterback. Than Tom oh, we're going to
2: see unproven and <laughs> not actual.
3: Actually, but, um, yeah.
2: So, do you guys like this one?
1: Yeah, I, I
4: prefer this one over the Woodford.
3: I'm I'm the opposite. I prefer the Woodford over this. I think. Th- okay, I, I would say this is my least favorite of the three so far. Yeah, I'm,
1: I think I'm more with Alex. I, I don't I don't dislike it, but I think I like the second one more.
4: I like I like the higher proof. It's got almost like um almost like a leathery sort of flavor, which we've had in in, in the, the the evenings that uh, Alex has discussed with the everybody brings a, a bottle in secret. We've, uh, we've sometimes had some that were borderline novelties brought sort of as a joke, and um, it uh, we had one that pretty much tasted like a hockey puck. It was it was not great.
3: Um, why did it taste like a hockey puck, James? Who well, it? It, was,
4: uh, it was it was it was a Wayne Gretzky. Bro. It was Canadian uh, Gretzky whiskey, and it literally, quite literally, tasted like a hockey puck removed from a skate.
1: I don't love and, that you know uh, what a hockey puck tastes like.
4: I grew up in Canada. Everybody's had a hockey puck to the face.
1: It's just okay, wrong. I guess. It's weird that I can I never played hockey, but I, I feel like I know what a hockey puck tastes like too. No, it's not. What you're, what you're thinking,
4: <laughs> it's exactly what it is. I'm just lucky I, I kept my teeth. But yeah, I guess it's 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 left me that uh, that penchant for the leather flavor, so I, I like this one.
2: We have a question for you from Whiskey Canuck in Calgary. He wants to know what you guys think of the electric racing series, the Formula E and Extreme E series. He was looking forward to electric GT, but it looks like it's still on hold. I think you got to have noise to make it racing, and th- those cars just don't make enough noise for me.
4: As a driver, you look at those cars and you think, man, they are slow. They run on street tires. There's not a gearbox. You know, it's, it seems sort of rudimentary and then, and the, you know, the tracks are a little Mickey mouse, whatever, whatever. But then you watch the racing and it's almost like, and, and please, please take this how I mean it. It's almost like going rental car racing with your buddies. You know, like it's <laughs> so, it's so close they're kind of they're really argy bargy they get into each other they bump they grind like the racing itself from a driving perspective actually looks a lot of fun even though they're not going that fast and the cars are a little bit different whatever whatever when they were in the era of having to their pit stop was changing cars i thought that was kind of laughable and, and really took
1: are they out of that era
4: yeah 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 so the, yeah. the new cars the new cars can do a full race distance and um the next generation of cars are going to be even faster and that technology is just going to keep improving and keep getting better and better the racing is going to get better and better as the cars get faster the tracks can change and be a little bit more dynamic um there's it's a ton of investment from the oems and the tech companies so there's no doubt it's the future in that sense we know that you know evs are the future on the road but yeah at the end of the day nothing's going to replace the sound of a screaming V8 or a turbocharged V6 or something, you know, it's, it's um I think, I think they're always going to, I think they're both at they're at this point now, they're both always going to exist in their own realms, you know, but I I think it's great. I, I love to see another race series come out and be successful and give more drivers an opportunity to have a career and make a living and entertain fans.
2: We have a question for you from Graham Frazier, since uh, Alexander, you're going to be, driving on Tuesday at Sebring. How much in advance do you have to stop drinking prior to a race? I know you guys don't drink at all on race weekends, but if you're racing, if you're hitting the track on Saturday morning, when do you stop during the week? So I don't, I mean, a test is a little bit
3: unique, and this is obviously um, for for um, other reasons that we're drinking tonight, but um, for a race, I won't research. I, I won't touch, touch anything for a week. Um, so I think I'm a little alone in that. Um, I know no one really drinks kind of on the, the Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, leading up to a race weekend. Um, but yeah, for me, it's just kind of a rule that if I'm racing on Sunday, the Sunday before is, is kind of the end game for me. So that's where
2: I'm at. So these yeah, uh, you know, schedules where it's all condensed and every you're racing every weekend are kind of uh, screwed for you, right? I mean, it's it, let's, let's be honest. We were able to,
3: to have, um, our, our vices during the off season, really as much as we want. So right. we have to take a couple of weeks off during the, during the race season. Uh, there's bigger problems. Hinch.
4: Yeah. Honestly, similar program. I, I used to kind of be a Wednesday guy and then I started doing a lot of research actually. Um, it's, it's, it sounds sort of weird, but I started, uh, there was a, a wearable uh, one of those fitness devices that we were using that sort of monitored your, you know, your sleep and your, your, level of recovery after a sleep and things like that. And, you know, I noticed in the, in the off season that after a night of drinking, now, again, that's proper drinking, but still uh, it, it it takes, it takes a long time. And then I started, you know, for your body to recover and I started reading up on some of the effects of alcohol in the body and, and things like that. And, and how it comes to, you know, performance from an athletic standpoint. And uh, I kind of joined Alex on the sort of week out rule just because I, you know, I saw the research. It does, uh, it does affect you, and obviously we uh, we can't be affected on the racetrack. So kind of in a similar situation.
2: Our final whiskey, and this is from very near uh, Texas Motor Speedway, but not quite as close as the Hiram Walker Distillery. This is the Texas Straight Bourbon from Firestone and Robertson in Fort Worth. Oh yeah. And this is at 63.7% ABV, made with a wild Texas yeast. And let's see, they had a question here. Um, our pal in Montreal wants to know, what's the racetrack you guys would most like to drive but haven't done so yet?
3: I mean, I, I don't really have one. I'm, I've been fortunate yeah, it's, it's enough it's that... I feel like Alex has
4: done them all.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, you've, yeah, because you've done more in Europe, so...
4: You know what you haven't done? Oh formula bmw maybe have you raced most sport
1: yes definitely. what about like different okay if you've done every track what about a different style of racing like would you want to go try dirt would you want to go yeah the
2: chili bowl is this weekend uh, what would it take to get you guys in the chili bowl a million dollars <laughs> i'll do it no for, interest i'll do it for like if, if anyone months.
3: here is willing to wire me a million bucks and james 40 million um we'll go do it tomorrow no problem
4: no, you know what? I've rethought it. I'll do it for nine hundred ninety-nine
2: thousand. <laughs> Go for it! Oh, All come right, on, come Frucci right. did the chili bowl last year. You guys are better than he is.
1: And yeah. a lot of things.
2: I mean,
3: <laughs> I don't, don't, don't want to make any decisions in my life based on what Santino's done
1: <laughs>
4: <laughs> Yeah, no, those guys are those guys are badass. I Man, I love watching that stuff, but. Um, I would, I mean, I would test one of those cars for sure, but I'm not going to jump straight into the chili bowl and look like an amateur without a a serious amount of experience. Those guys are phenomenally talented. I'm actually really, really much, uh, very much looking forward to that race on Saturday tomorrow.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Saturday night, uh, doctor, who's pointing out the Ferrucci card. I'm sorry. I've, (laughs) I personally think of Ferrucci as the most punchable face in racing.
1: Now, look, I want to be clear We say a lot of uh, mean things about Santino Ferrucci.
2: All of them deserved, right? Oh, no, there's no but to that sentence. (laughs) I just wanted it stated. So what do you think of this uh, Texas bourbon?
4: I feel like I get a lot of pepper
3: on the nose.
1: Yeah, it's almost, it's pepper. It's almost like, maybe it's because I'm thinking Texas and it's our fourth one, but almost a little bit of barbecue. Yeah.
2: Yeah. A little bit of mesquite seasoning.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's very spicy. But I would say it finishes on almost with, cool. with that again, using the barbecue term, but like a cherry wood finish. Yeah, it's very. It's very spicy on the front, but it finishes kind of mellow and a little bit sweet.
4: It's yeah, it's spicy on the front. The middle almost you get that you get that alcohol kick, like you get because it's, it's pretty high proof, right? And you, you sort of get that uncovered in the middle, and then it does definitely smooth off on the finish.
2: You were talking about cherry wood just a second ago, and it's a shame that the IndyCar series doesn't go to uh, Sonoma anymore, because uh, Sonoma Distilling Company up there does a great cherry wood finished um, rise and bourbons that are excellent.
3: So James actually got a bourbon of sorts from somewhere in Sonoma, didn't you? And yeah, that's, that's the, the,
4: the, Redwood, the Redwood Empire one I was talking about oh, earlier. Okay.
3: Oh God, yeah, it. where yeah.
4: they they buy. I think it's like. I think it's like four, six and eight year barrels and, and, and mash them all together. And, Phenomenal. Yeah. They, I, like I said, I thought it was, I did a really good job with it and I, and I don't see it very often.
3: So now is, that, really can, is that considered them, a distillery though, if they're not doing it from start to finish, what, what, what would it, what would it be I called? Suppose not?
2: Well, they're not distillers; they're bottlers, but they're whiskey makers. They're taking the whiskeys, they're buying the raw whiskey and then sourcing that and then blending it. So they're whiskey blenders. And uh, that's a longstanding tradition in Scotland. That's what, uh, that's what these guys at Duncan Taylor did, was buy up okay. a bunch of casks from other distilleries because they don't own their own distillery and blend those together. Um, a lot of the distilleries in Scotland actually, the independent bottlers there, the Gordon and Macphails of the world will, uh, the Douglas Lang and companies, those guys will actually have contracts to have their own barrels filled with new make spirit right off the still and they'll mature it themselves. And bottle it when they think it's ready. That's awesome. So yeah, it's a that's a that's a time honored tradition all over. In
3: I whiskey. I feel I feel like if you're going to get into the whiskey business, that's probably the the way to go because someone's already. I was just going to say, Alex.
4: I feel like I feel like we have a new project. I feel like we need to source <laughs> a couple, you know, a couple hundred barrels. Nothing crazy different years different ages and uh yeah. we should just like we should just do this
2: well you and, just did it for your stop and go foundation that's exactly I what mean, you guys did
4: not, no well no because we went to a distillery and picked you know one yeah. of
2: their yeah. fool, what would you, you know,
4: guys right? what would
1: you guys call it, would it be, what would your bourbon name be motor IBS. oil ibs irritable bowel syndrome that's what you want people yep. thinking of when they
3: when yep. they go for your. It's okay it.
4: no ibs it stands for the in Indianapolis Bourbon Society, we have a logo and everything, and sweaters. We have clothing with
3: clothing. Yeah, but on. now
1: you're going into business with everybody there. I mean, are we? Are you going to do it with the two of you, or do you no, really want no, to be no, like a business we'll, partner we'll with
3: Connor? Do it with everyone except Connor.
1: Okay, yeah, that was going to be <laughs> yeah. that, that. was that was the, the main point I was getting at.
2: So, who else in the bur- in the paddock is into bourbons? Who else in the IndyCar paddock so is Connor, into bourbons? Connor's That's actually a good. late a late
3: addition, and he came off the back of james and i's like heavy recommendation to the group um this is funny I see
1: i was told that you couldn't uh have new additions to no,
3: the group, so, so that's not true um we just didn't want you um so so here's the thing we we, we started out as a group of eight um and Seven. james no eight and james myself and rob were the only indycar drivers and so we actually lost a member um kind of in the first year that we were doing it so it became Oh, sorry.
4: He's fine. We're not... He didn't like... (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you really made that sound sad. You made it sound like he died.
3: We started (laughs) at six. No, we
4: started at seven.
3: We started at seven. We started started at seven. We lost lost the the content people want to know about. This is what we should argue Whatever. So the the point is, we really needed someone to be a tiebreaker. And it was between two people, and James and I pushed for Connor. The upsetting thing is, since Connor's now been in the group... He has out-collected and outsourced bourbon of really all of us, except maybe Gordon. I mean,
4: hand over fist, he has done an incredible job. So we will – this is actually – he doesn't know this yet, and we're going to announce it here. He's going to be removed from the group uh, any day
1: now. So there's
4: opens up Which opens up a spot for the other guy that we were going to have. Which is Chris uh, Burton. Which was not not Tim.
0: Yeah.
1: Actually, Chris Burton makes more sense than me. Yeah,
4: for sure, it makes way yeah. more
1: sense.
4: Yeah, yeah,
2: way more sense. We are getting a couple of suggestions on what you guys could call that whiskey. That's good. And- <laughs> no. no.
1: Yeah, that's I Good. I don't. I did uh, see. It's yeah. like, for, what is it Formula Five Hundred
4: or something? Any Five Hundred proof. I like that.
2: Yeah, <laughs> those are coming from my oldest daughter. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, uh, long-standing beer in Scot dark beer in Scotland called Old Engine Oil. That would okay. work, something along those lines. We have a great suggestion here from Whiskey Canucks, Smoking Clutch Whiskey. Chris <laughs> so Radcliffe, I I, I Stagger. Also, I like Stagger a lot. Yeah, Stagger. How stagger. about Wickerbill Whiskey? Wait, I don't get Stagger. What is that? What, I don't
1: get the the stagger,
3: right stagger is the different size of tires from.
2: Oh, the got it. In your, got it. The, yeah, the diameter
1: tire.
4: Oh, length, I
3: don't so. really watch. There was a, there was a thing that happened at Mid Ohio this year, Tim.
2: <laughs> I, I think if you take a blend a, of uh, that wasn't a stagger issue necessarily.
4: I mean, it,
2: it was three well, oversteer, yeah. understeer, and well balanced. <laughs> It'd be loose, tight, and well balanced in IndyCar. <laughs> I, I think if you did a blend of four barrels, you could uh, name it in honor of the great Brian Barnhart and call it Four Good Ones. <laughs> I don't get I, it. That was before my time.
4: I was going to say, you're, yeah, you don't know that. That's But that's that's a solid one. I like that. Well
2: yeah, done. go go explain, James. <laughs> go ahead and explain that one, since yeah, you actually I, heard him say it.
4: I heard him say it many times. Our beloved Brian Barthart, who like, I I rate very highly. I have a lot of time, a lot of respect for Brian. And uh, when he was the uh, sort of head of tech and race director and everything for uh, for IndyCar, he was the man that stood at the front of the line for qualifying at Indy. And you know, when you're when you're next up, there's often a TV camera there or whatever, and they would sometimes mic up Brian. And he had this tradition where he would come to every driver and say, All right, you know, go straight onto the racetrack, this, that, and the other. Just give me four good ones. And it just kind of became his thing. And it was like the last thing you heard before you went, you know, on the track to qualify at Indy was Brian saying, All right, just give me four good ones.
3: Well, that's that's awesome. Like it's it's, it's so uh, cool. Yeah, it's very
1: cool. Pretty good. Yeah.
2: Uh, whiskey I mean, connections says a... push to pass um yeah
4: i mean there's, there's a lot there's a lot of good ideas come chris
2: ratcliffe to could you do an asgar version that's seven feet the size of a normal bottle <laughs> <laughs> for the uh, smoky eunuch fans out there uh there was once a time where eunuch uh submitted a car for technical inspection passed it through and then they checked it later and found it that he'd actually built it an eighth one eighth smaller than everybody else's car and the template didn't quite fit but it looked like a real regular car and he snuck it through tech that way in the cheating.
4: Smart, smart.
2: So Tyron Coti loves the checkered cask the, idea. Uh,
4: ours would be more, uh, the, the nine eights fuel cell
2: or just call
1: it milk. Milk
2: we to drink whiskey. <laughs> I like milk.
3: Milk's <laughs> a milk. name for bourbon. <laughs> Juice, milk. So and then we can have
4: like, you could have the 2%, 1%.
3: Dude, all right <laughs> dude, um if anyone on this podcast and in the chat you're included um steals that from us there's gonna be a problem
1: <laughs> i just yeah. want to point out when i come up with an idea suddenly it's us suddenly i'm part of the group now wait did you say milk i said milk
4: oh, we're gonna okay. steal that from, from that ben. makes me feel better i feel like we steal all his jokes I don't, I don't feel bad taking it from you
2: don't drink forty percent milk whiskey, <laughs> <Canucks is. Yeah. laughs> Okay, we're gonna have to do another one of these and have you guys do some Irish whiskeys.
1: I mean, I'm free next week. Oh, They're sucks. not. We we'll have to do it again. Huh? I am, I'm not. Free.
2: Well, Hinch isn't free next. Well, Hinch is free next week, right? As of right as of right now.
4: Yeah, I'm not. I'm not testing.
2: Okay. Well, we'll figure something out and uh, Enjoy. have you guys back on another time. So I want to thank you for doing this. Uh, we've had uh, a lot of fun and uh, a lot of good conversation. And I want to thank again our guests, James Hinchcliffe, Alexander Rossi, Tim Durham. The podcast is called Off Track with Hinch and Rossi, and you can uh, follow them on Twitter at Ask Off Track. And uh, you can also hear them. Where are you guys on SiriusXM now? Let's get the plug in you there for the, the uh, SiriusXM subscribers. Tell you.
1: I, I, I think no we're idea. channel two eleven on Saturdays at four, but uh, I haven't checked on that in a who, while. So are
3: we on someone's channel? We were on the Dan Patrick Dan channel. Pat's I don't
1: know if that's still a channel. Yeah, who is he?
3: It's for sure Unclear. still a channel. Come oh, on, uh, he
1: was the. Sad. No, I think I think is it might he, not be. Is anymore.
3: he a ball player?
1: He was the principal in the movie Hubie Halloween. Oh, see, that's where you might know
3: him. I do know him.
0: <laughs>
4: Thanks so much for listening to Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. Keep in contact with us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is at AskOffTrack. Or you can follow us individually. We're at Hinchtown and at Alexander Rossi. If you want to follow Thim, though we have no idea why you would, he's at the Tim Durham. We really need to get that changed to add producer Thim. The music you heard today is by Ryan Dan of Holland Patton Public Library. Off Track with Hinch and Rossi is produced by Tim Durham. And by that, I mean Sam.
0: At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar.